Hello, welcome to the Ox Unplugged, the unofficial official BPL fan podcast where our idea of tech support is hitting our fax machine with bats. I'm Crispy Crowd. I am Mr. J. Whip. I am Helion. And I'm Dalton. Man, we were doing so good. Yeah, it's okay. So the topic for today is 3D printing. More in a sci-fi direction, but also what it actually is right now. I'd like to at least explain that. So extremely roughly, you can think of a 3D printer as the opposite of a CNC machine, where a CNC machine is, takes a brick of material and removes material until you get the finished product. With a 3D printer, what it does is it lowers or not the nozzle and then heats up that nozzle like a glue gun and then with machine precision draws an whatever object you you want. They have X, Y, and Z axes. Uh, they are incredibly precise. And if you've ever worked with plastics before, you know they are incredibly finicky. They're just Plastic is wonderful and also the worst. 3D printing technology mostly works with plastic right now, but you can do it where it's other materials. I know that there is some metal um, 3D printing where they have just sort of a wire feed that they feed through the nozzle and then heat up through, I think, lasers. So that way it melts the metal and then it hardens along the edge. I think they're doing that for spaceships. 3D printing technology is very useful for small objects. We're talking like less than three inches, uh, mostly because you're very limited by size. But they're really useful for high precision, very infrequent things. So a lot of model building, people love 3D printing because they're infinitely customizable, small, and people are willing to pay good money for them. That is the basic idea of what 3D printing is right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the uh, the spacecraft design. I, the, the company that's doing that relativity space, they're basically trying to 3D print entire rockets for their business, which I think is awesome that they're doing that. I feel like 3D printing is a technology that's going to go a long way. I would be very scared to be on top of that rocket because I don't know how stable it's going to be because a rocket... Like, if your miniature breaks, it's not a big deal. If your rocket has a bit of an oopsies, you have a very bad problem very quickly. A Kerbal Space Program, real life. Yeah. You're not wrong. It, it would turn into Challenger 2 Electric Boogaloo real quick, but it'd be interesting to see. I mean, oh, too soon. Oh, yeah, it's only been, what, 40 years? Hey, for some of us, that was our childhood. I'm 27. I, it's, I'm sorry, it's old history for me. Oh, you kids are making me feel old. <laughs> I was born before that. Yeah. Uh, I have a question, Mr. J. Yeah. So I don't, uh, Crispy and I were talking before. I don't really know a lot about 3D printing. I've never done it. I don't even know anyone who owns one. But for me, what the most fascinating part of is how do they program it? Where do they come up with these programs to do it? Is it just somebody sitting down in like an AutoCAD machine coming up with a yeah. design? Or are they literally scanning in images of a 3D object, creating a pattern of it, and then disseminating that. So, okay. Um, I don't know how in the details we want to get, but you can scan it, and then you create a file. Then that, f- that file is a 3D object. I think you can make it out of, like, make it with Blender, or, like, many of the multiple different 3D 
design pro uh, programs, then what you can do is translate that into G-code, which is extremely simple move X axes, move Y axes, move up and down. Like set temperature, inject, that's the minimum sort of thing. I believe uh, 3D printing is using G-code. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're using G-code, which is the same programming language as CNC machines. It's like assembly level simple stuff. You say simple, I say witchcraft, but go on. No, 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 no. When I say simple, I mean move arm what five degrees, push 50 newtons. That sort of like extremely simple things, but that the complexity comes from having literal thousands of thousands of lines of G-code. It's like lots of little simple commands and yes. instructions, but would you compile them into one large base programmed in order to produce an item? Yep. So that's the more technical side of things. I don't know any 3D printing people in real life. I know that some people in my, um, my business do it. I know I knew a lot of people in university who did it, but right now I don't really know anyone. Actually, wait, no, my dad has one. Um, a lot of times what you have issues with is the, the plate. When the plastic is molten and it goes down, it needs to be hot enough to melt the plastic and not hot enough that it deforms as soon as it hits the plate. So there's a lot of, lot of little finicky stuff. And then you have to make sure like, oh, is the temperature reading correct? Um, because temperature sensors go bad all the time. Oh, yeah. Like, that's the first thing that goes, because anything, as a general rule, things that break are things that move a lot or things that change temperature a lot. So all of the temperature sensors, all of the nozzles, those are going to break real fast. The plating as well, you have to make sure it's perfectly level, because otherwise the, the nozzle isn't, you're not creating exactly what you need. So that go causes an issue. CNC machines have existed for like 50 years at least. These are enclosed beasts that you do not touch with. 3D printing is, I'm going to be honest, cheap plastic shit along the entire thing, and it's an open body frame. So when you can start blowing it on it, it's a lot of open air stuff. I appreciate your description of it because CNC machines, that, that, I can picture that. Uh, my father was a, a machinist for like 45 years. Mm -hmm. And so they had, you know, would have machines that they had to program how to turn gigantic blocks of steel and aluminum into these, you know, very intricate parts for the aerospace industry. So that, so this is kind of like doing it in reverse. Yep, exactly. Mm. I, I do remember in his office, because he was of, of head of uh, quality control for a lot of long time. And he had with this gigantic uh, granite table with these you know, sensors that would slide and move along it. And he called it the magic table because they would use it to measure a template part and take mm -hmm. all the different measures to create programming for the machines to duplicate those parts. Yeah. Modern right now, um, you can send that off the master part off and you can get it laser scanned. Um, it's fairly easy to do. Uh, you don't need all of the incredibly precise stuff because lasers are incredibly precise, but that's also for high level stuff. When you're dealing with low-level floor stuff, people are still just using micrometers and micrometers. Sorry, micrometers and tape measures and calipers. But for high-level stuff, you use a lot of the more proper technology stuff, the lasers and everything. A lot of engineering knowledge, it sounds like. It's a lot of measurement, which is surprisingly very specialized of an industry. Uh, my factory, we've got a third-party measuring company 
that we can send it to them and they will say, yep, this thing is verified. And so they have a whole system to make sure all of the, the measuring tools are calibrated correctly. Wow. Yeah. Imagine having a business just to double check measurements. The devil yeah. is literally in the very minute details. Exactly. Sounds like hell. Sounds actually sounds kind of fascinating. That's industry for you. It's either you're like, hang on, you've got you can just be only you can exist only to measure things. Yeah, it's actually fairly simple. You just go to this, this, and this. Oh, that's either terrifying or great. I like it. I think it's neat. I'm right there with you. Each their own, I suppose. Yeah. When you work in a business that's all about certain tolerances to a very specific range, yeah, that that you realize very quickly that there's a art form into making something just right without making it just off because you get just a little bit off and you have completely ruined it. Oh yeah. And then you suddenly have a complaint. And then if it's a complaint, you have to prove why it was acceptable. And so if they say, well, what are you measuring with? Is that thing calibrated? When was it last calibrated? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now and you have- get into the, now you get into the yeah. calibration logbooks. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> okay. we're getting way off topic. Yeah, I was going to say. I'm scared <laughs> with all the measurements. <laughs> to get back on point. So I... I, I know for me personally, where I see 3D printing, at least where it impacts me, where I am aware of it, is I see a lot of people online 3D printing models, 3D printing mm-hmm. uh, miniatures for tabletop, 3D printing pieces for cosplay. Car parts. Let's just get into, let's say, Battletech minis or any tabletop, your average tabletop mini, usually no more than two to three you know, inches, inches right. high. Yeah. What is the cost of something like that? What comparative to 3D printing it compared to going out and purchasing it? So, okay. When you're talking about generic, I I assume you're talking about plastic mold injection? Correct. Okay. So for plastic mold injection, you have an insane startup cost. Um, We're talking millions of dollars to get those presses. They're heavy, expensive. They require digging into the foundation to hold it properly. Uh, You're looking at two-phase voltage going in. You have to have industrial capacity for it. It is a monster to get going. But once it's going, in theory, it never goes bad. You can just run it forever. You just need someone to make sure that it works, and that's it. With a plastic mold injection, you you spit out parts every, I think it's, cycle time generally runs from 30 seconds to a minute, and you're looking at anywhere from four to 16 parts per cycle. And then the price comes in with installing the molds onto the machine, which generally with plastic mold injection, you're not looking at running one mold forever. Normally you swap them out. You run it for a day, a shift, something like that, and then you swap it out to something else because you just get so many parts. So you need someone to swap it out and then you need someone to do touch-ups on the mold itself. Those are both pretty specialized fields. They require someone who knows what they're doing, but when you're talking about operators, the person just sitting at the at the machine taking it out, looking at it, double checking everything, that doesn't require a lot of specialized knowledge. For 3D printing, everyone involved has to be specialized, and we're looking at anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour at least for um that little 2 to 3 inches. Uh, little model. So it's that's the real big kicker. In terms of price, the material is basically nothing. Plastic is incredibly cheap. You can get it cheap, verified, and make sure it's all good. 
I know you can get a reel of plastic for 3D printing for like 20, 30, 40 bucks or so. That will make like at least 100 miniatures. It's just time. So in terms of working with plastic, those are your two main ideas. You do have other types of molds, but then we're getting into other stuff entirely. So the difference between the two then, if you've got your factory, yep. who is plastic you know, mold injection creating incredibly high overhead costs, but then virtually non-existent Running. Yep. Yep. production costs as far as what it costs to make the individual items. Yep. 3D printing at home, again, you've got the man hours that go into creating the program. You've and got the initial the initial investment of getting the 3D printer itself. Which is quite it, low. These things are a couple hundred bucks. But but again, still low production compared to, cost yeah. compared to the yep. to the industrials. Whereas I so I guess the, the difference you get is producing on a macro scale versus producing on a micro scale. Yes. While still but having the the luxury to customize or do it at your own leisure to pick and choose the things you want. Yeah. The one technology, like the one website that I'm like, in terms of raw industry, I'm like, these guys know what they're doing is Hero Forge. Those guys, mm, they're doing yeah, great. Yeah, I will say I have Hero Forge minis and they are very nice. Yeah. So what they're doing is they have a very slick website where you can build your own character. You can make set it all up, make it as nice as you want it, and they just print it for you. So it's their software working with their hardware, and they've got just thousands of these things printing out miniatures. Uh, once a 3D printer is up and running for like, say, 10, 15 minutes, from what I've gathered, it's fine. As Once it's going, it's, it'll work out fine. You'll be able to tell if you're going to get some, a real product at the end based on that first, the first little bit. So you just keep an eye on it for the start, and then it runs and does its thing. Like, they're... I am really impressed with how Hero Forge is handling all of their stuff. I'm sure they're making bank on it as well, because the online stuff, that's just a website you're running, maybe some software, and you need a bit of um, of server space to run it. And then they've got the 3D printers, which is relatively low upkeep, and they're just producing stuff. Hmm. I'm, I'm relying on you since I know so little, but how much do you th is a uh, average home 3D printer setup run? Um, I don't know off the top of my head. If only we had this magic machine in front of me that I could ask. Okay. So we're actually looking at, according to this random website that I found, for real basic stuff, 100 to 500. For hobbyists, I don't know what they're defining as that, 500 to 1.5K. Enthusiasts, I don't know how they're defining these these things, 1K to 4K. And then professional is 4K to 20K. Still pretty reasonable, I would say, for, for just your average, simple home yeah. individual. Yeah. The cheap ones are cheap. But also, ideally, what you're doing is you put it on your desk, and then that way you can keep an eye on it while it's printing for hours on end. One of my friends, they have one, and they're like, oh, yeah, no, just send me an STL file. I'll just print it off, and you can check it out. They make some really nice stuff out of it. Mostly just like little fun little knickknacks, but there's a lot of really useful stuff. I'm assuming, again, based on what I've seen, usually the 3D printed product, it's still rough. You've still got to go in and do some trimming, maybe even some sanding on it from time to time. 
So that depends entirely on how long it takes to make the product. These are printed 3D, so it's, you're going from the ground up. So any sort of arms or anything that's extended out, you can't have it existing there because the arms will just break off. So you've got to add its support units. And, though, and then you make sure that the support units work or they don't and you don't care. But you have those supports and that helps out a lot there. So you do have to clip those off. You can sand it down. The filament, the, the filament size, that's how I imagine resolution is. So if you want a thin filament, that'll take longer to go around. But the, the stacking nature will be less visible. Uh, Crispy, I don't know if you've... Uh, what's up with your Hero Forge? I don't know how. My only real experience is just um, I bought many that I made on Hero Forge that I like using it. It can be a little bit pricey, but if you're having it 3D printed by a company that's pretty good quality, um, it works pretty well for that. It even comes primed. So okay, I I enjoy it. Um, as for my knowledge of 3D printing in general, it's pretty limited. You know, I've I've seen examples of it. I don't personally have one. I just more of like the idea. When you get the model, how thin is the... Because these are filaments that are then melted out. Can you tell where the different layers are? With HeroForge, no. Um, okay. To tell you the truth, I didn't really see anything with that. Okay. No, so. that's fine. I'm assuming you did not look under a microscope and be like make it perfect. No. I imagine also with the primer, you're filling in any sort of ridges as well. I would imagine so, yeah. So, the same way that American Cheeses fixes all burger mistakes, primer probably helps out there too. Absolutely. I mean, I honestly, 3D printing-wise and science fiction, I just keep thinking of Supreme Commander because that's basically how you're supposed to build everything in the game is just like, super special 3D printers, like um, molecular 3D printers, which is an interesting idea. Yeah, so, okay. Now moving on to sci-fi stuff, because mm -hmm. that is what I really enjoy with a lot of this stuff. So, for 3D printing sci-fi stuff, you're looking at atomically rebuilding together what it is. It's not only plastic or only metal. It's not one material. It's a whole bunch of different materials all mushed together. So you can create people and machines and circuitries. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's one thing that I wonder if for the future of 3D printing is printing complex objects, you know. I mean, hmm. well, how would the difference between injection molding in general versus 3D printing, just the payoffs of each other? Because I know Tesla did found a lot of contemporary infrastructure to be incompatible what they were trying to do and did like injection molding of aluminum for their car beds or the um yeah. uh yeah you can do injection molding on different materials as well um okay we're pulling back more of the curtain one of my sister factories actually makes tesla uh tail lamps so they are also a mold injection company tesla is not entirely like they're i also don't work for tesla they are selling out to third parties to produce some of their parts, some of which is plastic mold injection injected. Sorry, you guys are stumbling on the one thing I'm re like, one of the two things I'm really good at. Dude, this is all witchcraft to me. I this, is why, this is why you're here. We, we need <laughs> you for the big brain stuff. I haven't even talked about, like, 
storytelling shit yet. But um, I'm going to diverge immediately. So there is a very interesting sci-fi show that that's on Netflix right now. Um, I think it was uh, Exception, the Exception Netflix show. It's not. It doesn't look very good. The um, the writing's pretty eh, but there are a lot of extremely creative ideas that I really like. One of which is they three D print humans. Huh. So yes, as in beam over your data, and then this crazy alien machine will print out a human at the end of other end of it. Wow. I don't think that's how that works, but okay. No, it doesn't. But also, it's sci-fi stuff. Like that's so. Okay. So it's kind of like a lower tech version of the transporter. Yes, and here's the interesting stuff: the transporter has a lot of like magic stuff behind it. The 3D bioprinter in in this show, in Exception, has a limited amount of material. So mm-hmm. if you want to print off a new body, you have to put a body in. Oh, equivalent yeah. exchange. So, yes. like, if you put in, like, a really big, heavy person, you could print out, like, like three little people? Yes. So, yeah. I'm going to spoil some stuff for the show. It's the reverse uh, guys in a trench coat. <laughs> so, this is actually the first, like, episode or so, so I'm not going to spoil too much. But when they were printing off someone, there was a solar flare, and his data got corrupted. I thought you were going to say you got a nice tan, but... No, he, he turned into a monster. Yes. And so everyone was sitting around like his he was barely functional. So they were sitting around and they said, is this ethical to kill him and feed him back and print a new copy? And they were sitting there saying, this man is a citizen. He can't talk. He can't speak. His brain activity is barely there. But this is a citizen. Are we allowed to kill him? And they sat there and they just talked. Good hard sci-fi right there. It really is. It's a great question. The the idea is great. Whether or not it's it's pulled off on screen with the effects with their writing, but the idea, like you said, is really good. Oh, it really is. One of my favorite sci-fi movies ever, uh, which is uh, Sunshine, the exception TV show, they had a very similar thing where they're just sitting around and they're saying, well, maybe we should just do a vote to figure out if we refeed him back in or not and they went no that is not okay we cannot do that we are all professionals we are going to sit down and discuss yes or no until we come to a conclusion hmm. kind of a 12 angry men situation exactly it's we're going to just talk this through and figure out is this okay or not and so while they're talking does the uh, aforementioned monster you know run oh, yeah. luck and kill them all yeah. Um, they actually all decide to euthanize it and feed it back into the machine. That's logical. Yes. There was like some really interesting stuff as well. One person is going, look, if, if I look like that, I would want you to kill me. And other I mean, person's like, well, yeah. Who wants to be John Carpenter's the thing, but for real. It looks like it's a very fun looking monster. I'm not going to lie. It's got like a big, cool arm and stuff. But like during the euthanization process, the monster wakes up and kills someone. And kills the doctor performing. Always, always the yes. doctor. Yep. That Hippocratic oath, man. That's yeah. bullshit. Yeah, no. It's, I think he just grabbed her head and crushed her. See, that's why you don't want to be all like 
you know, let's kill it with lethal injection and shit. Just kill it with 45 ACP. That's that's good enough. Oh, I'm going to finish my thought real quick. 45 ACP kills the soul. Um, Because they also have another very interesting 3D printing thing that I really love. But first, uh, after she died, the doctor dies, they do just feed her back to the machine and print a new one out. Because they went, well, she's already dead. We can't do anything about this. Wow. And she just comes out like, what happened to me? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, so it actually, I guess that's true. Yeah, it she, backs wa- you up, so. she walks out th- mm. with brand new knowledge. God, that's got to be trippy. Oh, oh so it's kind of, it's what was that movie? It was, uh, it was a really bad movie, late 90s, maybe early 2000s, where you could die, but they would have uploaded your consciousness into a new cloned body. So it's just this, like, you just kept going on. Yes, that sounds like Altered Carbon. I want to say it was, a, I think it was a Schwarzenegger thing. Um, was it the sixth day? You're not talking that about might be the, it. the Mars one. No, no, no. no. This, like, no all, our, all I remember about it is like in the very beginning, there's a football player. Like he's the star football player and he gets severely injured in a game. And as they're taken into the hospital, he expires. So they take him to this, you know, cloning facility where they insta, they basically insta copy his brain patterns, grow a new clone of them, implement the, uh, the brain pattern into the clone, so it's just like he just wakes up, Ooh. like he went to sleep and he woke up. So it's just like they just recreate him. I know that, that that's kind of the premise of this of the thing. Okay, we're getting yeah. way off topic. No, it's all yeah. I, I, although I do have one question, Mister J. Sure. Okay, you said you had to feed a body in, yes, to get a body out. Mm-hmm. What happens if you run out of material so, before you finish? Um, you put the body in. <laughs> you put the body in. So. I, th- I believe it just doesn't work if you don't have enough material, but you can grow cell cultures to give more material. That was one of their topics, was do we just wait for a new, for one of our cell cultures to grow enough, to feed it enough to make, another, to make another of this person? So we just have two of them, because they were like, we are professionals, we need this man, we can't do his job. It's like Colonel Steve Austin. We have the technology. We can build him. But can you kill him? Uh, you can kill anyone with a wood chipper. <laughs> so, okay. If you can get him to climb in. Yes. Or just yeah. chuck him into the radioactive um, pool of a nuclear. So, okay. The other bit of... This isn't the ending of Terminator 2. Why not? Fair. So the other really interesting bit of technology relating to this in that show is they do have programmable matter. I don't know if any of you guys know what this is. It's basically nanotechnology, isn't it? Yes. The idea is you have this big goop of stuff that you can program it to look like a hammer and to act like a hammer. I'm going to bring my nerddom in again to a, from a very <laughs> unpopular source. But in Star Trek Discovery, uh, Season 3, they jump 400 years into the future, I believe it is. And in the future, they have programmable matter. And they can use it to create all sorts of cool shit, including that all of the starships in the future, the uh, warp nacelles, are no longer attached to the starships themselves. They just kind of float just off, you know, the side of the ships. I hate Um, floaty bits on technology, but that's just me. But programmable matter is a big part, like so much so that some of the ships in that in that timeline can like randomly change configuration, like explode into a into a ball of bits and then reconfigure into a different setting. Mm-hmm. 
I'm assuming it works on nanotechnology. Probably. Yeah. So there is a book series that's quite bad, but I fucking love it because I read it as a teenager and it's with me forever called The Queendom of Soul. It's the what? The Queendom of Soul. Huh. Like the city? S O L, as in the sun. Ah. Yeah. You, sh- you should put all your uh, book recommendations in the uh, episode notes, by the way. Good idea. Or the Oxbud Book Club. Oh, I, here's the thing. I know those. Why not both? The issue is that these books are trash. They're like, they've got some really interesting stuff, technology-wise, but all of the personality, all the, like, all, everything surrounding it is pretty low tier. I, I don't recommend anyone read it. There's just some fun stuff that I like. What my wife would call beach reading tea. Yes. No, it is exactly that. But what they do have is the material called, called Wellstone, which is a programmable matter. And it is effectively a quantum dot, which is, in the atomic scale, a large metal that has all of the electronic copy, like the, uh, all of the electronic effects that you would expect from another atom. What this means is you can tell this quantum, this dot, to act like a hydrogen atom or act as a helium, or you can just go down the atomic table and say, act like this atom. What this, uh. yes. So this is a real thing that we can do. I don't know if you guys have seen the like extremely like meme thing of like, there's a new um, technology that makes it so that way you can make anything taste like anything else. Like the, oh man, I can make it so that way my phone screen can taste like other things. That's that is the quantum. Why? No, it is not. I can show you the um uh the the news articles about it. Everyone's like, oh no, it's it'll be so dumb. Or like, oh man, I can't wait to try taste because taste doesn't exactly work like it. But like that is a nat- a quantum dot. That is a. I believe it's a 2D quantum dot, or 1D quantum dot is an LED with the drop effect. Okay. That's bizarre. But how is it useful? So, if you... That's the thing. It doesn't sound very useful. It's not. But the next layer above that is when you can start making this, these quantum dots, the number of atoms that they can act like, they expand a lot. This is an expandable technology. So once you can start telling things to act like certain different atoms, then you can start forming bonds, change those bonds, and then you have extremely complicated uh, programmable technology. That's why that this technology is deeply int- important, but not right now. It's sci-fi right now, but we have the idea of how yes. we can get there. Yes, we have the technology. It's Should a matter of practicality. Probably not. Yeah. All right. So here's my question. So we're obviously it's the, uh, the abilities to use 3d printing, the things that it can do are, are growing exponentially. The access to the technology. Yes. What is the inevitable next step? We can now make, you know, plastic, AKA metal. I've seen that there is a growing industry of 3D printing houses where they have set up these giant rigs to 3D print using the type of concrete. But is the ne- how far are we from the next step where we can not only create the housing, the, the actual structure, but then also integrate technology, the 
the electronics, the brain, so to speak, into it as it's 3D printed? So, eh, probably not. But extremely unlikely. Yeah, because it's. I do know a bit about circuit design. Like, <laughs> we're stumbling on the other thing I know a lot about circuit uh, building circuits. So to create a uh, a circuit, you have a multi-stage lithography process where you are putting different substrate materials on a, a copper board. You're burning away certain amount of things. You're etching on different layers, and then you're stacking those copper boards, and then you're milling out vias to connect different boards. It's a multi-step process, including like high levels of dangerous chemicals. All the fun stuff. Yeah, we're yeah. talking like, um, uh, what's some of the big acids that people are scared about? Like hydrochloric. hydrochloric? Yeah, they use hydrochloric acid in order to burn away some of the copper for the circuitry. You just, you run it th- underneath it, and then it eats away everything else except for what you, what you cover the thing with. Mm-hmm. But let, let, let's just say, if you can create a rig with multiple printing heads, for, so you can have multiple medium that you're using at once in an industrial setting, yeah, that- do we not possess the technology or are on our way to the technology that it could be simultaneously creating a structure with embedded tech? tech. Um, well, that's probably a bit of an issue because I know of um, Tesla having an issue with machines doing customized and interpersonal work. Like how us humans can go, okay, remove X amount from this one, remove less than this one, while machines need to cookie cutter produce it this much by this much by that much. They need specific and exact information to do it every single time. And if you're building, say, a house, then I'm fairly certain it's not going to work. I have a different theory, which is you would need multiple nozzles. So, yeah, if you can have five different nozzles shooting out five different bits of material, then suddenly things start getting weird real quickly. If we can go, all right, this is the the concrete nozzle. This is going to get our foundation going. This is the steel nozzle. You don't want to use, you don't want to melt it because blah, blah, blah. But let's say like a really tough, expensive material. Yeah. So I'm kind of thinking like, okay, Houses don't have a lot in them. Has everyone seen the fourth element or fifth element? Sorry. Um, I've seen parts of it. There's a, there's a scene where quote unquote Supreme being has been reduced to nothing but a hand in a glove. And they put it in this incubation chamber where they extrapolate through DNA, what the rest of it would be and literally end up 3d printing um, layer by layer, using multiple, I guess you could say, uh, nozzles, so to speak, as we're discussing, a, a whole bean. And that's kind of what I'm thinking. If you've got a, let's say we create, uh, I don't a television, right? We scan it in, we program it in, all the details of exactly what makes it, how it's made, where everything goes in it, and then we create a 3D printer, with multiple nozzles with all the different that can produce all the different materials and we program it where they could be. How difficult I'm granted we're not there yet, 
Are we not? I will say this right now. A circuit will not work. I can get into why, but I'll just say it straight up. That won't work. But you can build around it, right? If we get a TV, you can just have like the raw circuit boards and like the screen and everything, and then just start like squeegeeing stuff on top. So do you think it's possible that we, we don't have it now, but could, the, could we get to the point where we can essentially 3D print circuit boards? Uh, and again, I'm not talking about home level. I'm talking about industrial. Um, okay. So do you know how chips are made? No idea. Okay. It's terrifying. Microchip? Yes, microchips. Yeah, they're like, um, I can show no idea how they're made. There is a website called Silicon Pron, P-R-0-N.org. They take the epoxy resin off of a whole bunch of different stuff. So what I'd like to show you guys real quickly, this is one of the microcontrollers. This, uh, I believe that's the, yeah, the Rochester M, um, MG80C. 18, oh, fuck this. Yes. So you're looking at nanometer scale. This is produced through light, where you're having different substrates of s- different types of silicon on different things. This is an ungodly complicated thing. Yeah. For anyone who's listening who is not privy to this, what we're looking at is something oh my of an, in- an incredibly yeah. intricate. Mm-hmm. It looks like a city. Yeah. It looks like a city yes. with apartments and everything. Yeah, and zoom in. But yeah. down to a microscopic mm-hmm. less that can oh fit. Yeah, so thumb. this is actually a, like a couple bucks, like two, five bucks, this chip. Yeah. These things. This thing, wow. this thing, this thing is so intricate. It looks like one of those old uh, like 3D paintings. Yes. Or, or images that you would see. It is. It looks like a fucking city. Yeah, 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 yeah. It does. So. This is the, um, actually, let me, I'm curious, how much does this cost? Oh, actually, no, this one's actually relatively expensive. This is about $700. Um, uh, that explains the complexity. No, it doesn't. It really does not. Oh. Uh, you're lo- like, the complexity for a very cheap thing and a very expensive thing look similar from the outside. But uh, at the end of the day, that's not my point, which is, my point is, you can't 3D print that. No. Yeah, no, you you can't. No. Like, yeah. is this a standard microchip, yeah. like mm-hmm. a cheap one? Yeah. Or is it a... Yeah, it, the difference from the outside from a cheap one and an expensive one, basically the same thing. Okay, so if we can't 3D print it, but we can still... I'm assuming it's still made through an automated process, yeah, correct? it is. Um, it is... Okay. Yeah, it is produced through the same way circuit boards are made, kind of, sort of, where you're burning away everything else except for one thing, then you're layering on another thing, burning away extra there, and so on and so on. So theoretically, there could be, in the future, not 3D printing like what we're talking about, but there could be an automated process yes. oh, we have- to mass-produce these, yeah. to include them, and then insert them into yes. something that we are 3D printing. Yes. Okay, okay, so, okay. I got you. So I see exactly where you're coming from then. Not to mention latest um, microchips from like, you know, one of the producers of microchips, like South Korea, mm-hmm. Taiwan, which is for 100. And um, China makes a lot of well. stuff. Texas Instrument yeah, well, makes a lot of stuff in China. It's really sad. <laughs> it makes me sad every time I'm like, oh. From what I hear about the Chinese one, it's one of the easier ones to make, while Taiwan and North Korea, no, South, South Korea, Korea might be. I was going to say. 
while South Korea makes very complex ones. Yeah. To the point where Taiwan owns like a third of all microchips or... Microcontroller. Yeah. They control that that amount mm-hmm. that if some, something were to happen to Taiwan, the last couple of... Oh, what's the word? You know how COVID fucked up everything? The supply. The, the silicon shortage. Yeah, the silicon shortage. If something happens to Taiwan, oh God. Yeah. Oh God, oh fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds like a lot. The important thing um, I'd like to point out is you can't 3D print this. This is a very similar thing to all very simple chips that you see around. They're, they're all this level of Wait, why the fuck is it so complicated? Oh god, oh god, oh god. I can show you uh, one that costs about like five bucks. Um, I use these for work. Uh, not this exact version, but the PIC-16C, uh, 65A. Uh, we use a, the, a lot of PICs for work. Oh! Yeah, yeah. It's the, that thing's five bucks. The other one, see what I mean? That looks more complicated than the first yeah, one. Yeah, 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 yeah. This one looks like, this one looks like New York in the side. That can fit on your pinky. Yeah, and this thing's nothing. I can trip and fall and, fi- and find five of these things. Good God. Yeah. Okay. It's like a Factorio layout. We get it. Yeah. Mr. Sorry, sorry. You're just, smart. Just, you <laughs> deal with high tech shit. Yeah. This, I'll be honest. This whole podcast, I've, it's just been completely over my head. I don't know what the fuck. So I have a question. Sure. Then. So let's taking it in a left-hand turn. So we've talked about the things that we know that it can do. We know the things that, that we assert that it, we don't think it can do. Yep. Let's talk about the possibilities. You mentioned 3D printing humans. I do know that there is technology where they are trying to 3D print human organs. They are using it to make noses, to make uh, ears for cosmetic reasons. I do know that there's a company out there that is 3D printing meat to use as an alternative Mm -hmm. for, you know, steak or other regular meat what's the future of that are we going to be able to eventually you know say take a scan oh you got a bad kidney we're gonna 3d print you a new one but take out just like your old one but take out the defect and pop it in your body i legitimately don't know anything about 3d printing any sort of meat stuff i just don't know it i can't help out there i don't really know much about either but i can at least speculate i feel like if if we're going to be able to figure that out, I feel like that's going to completely change, you know. For one thing, it's going to make the idea of an organ waiting list a thing of the past, if we can figure it out to do it in an effective manner. They're not just 3D. They're not like putting a cell next to a cell next to a cell, right? And it's not just a long chain of cells that they're just sort of layering one after another. I don't know what they're doing, because nothing is immediately obvious to me. I agree. I'm not entirely sure how the process works. Um, I'm just speculating. One thing that I do wonder is the idea of being able to create complex machinery using 3D printing and how that would work. Yeah, I can absolutely see it replacing a lot of CNC work or getting a baseline function and then just sort of trimming things up. Because once mm-hmm. you, if you can get machine-grade aluminum, suddenly gears are nothing, right? Gears are one of the hardest things to start milling. There's a lot of like specificity that you need to CNC those things. Yeah, see, I, I, I watched a 
a video recently about the feasibility of can we build a Dyson sphere? Well, no, that's ridiculous. We there's there's no way the it would material. take the, yeah. the material involved would mean we'd essentially have to destroy an entire solar system to create enough material. A Dyson sphere is when you encapsulate a sun and capture all of the energy from the outside of it. Correct. It's building a shell around a sun in order to capture all of its energy. Yes. But the idea is, could we build a Dyson swarm, which is essentially yeah. a swarm of satellites that surround a star, let's just say our sun, not encapsulating it, but surrounding it in order so that we can essentially capture the vast majority of its energy. And the theory that how we would do this, if we were able to, is essentially sending some space probes to Mercury, land on it, and they would use the fact that it's most of Mercury, uh, I think it's like 70% of, no, 60% of it's, it's its core, is an iron-nickel core, drill down, use that to use self-replicating machines to create 3D print these satellites that it would then launch. And the faster you launch them, the more machines you make, the quicker exponentially you would be able to generate them. And so, but the whole theory of how this whole endeavor could potentially work was based on essentially 3D printing. Yeah. I know a little bit of Mercury because I autistically deep dived into it. Well, there's a couple of issues with that, mostly because one, Mercury is so goddamn close to the sun, electronics over time might fry. At least with our current understanding of electronics. Uh, yeah. In terms of radiation or EMPs? Because you can radiate. Yes. You can radiation proof something, right? You can EMP proof it. Um, our Titan II missile silos, those are EMP proof. Uh, you're not getting any sort of electronic signals in or out. It's a matter of money at the end of the day. And it takes like eight years just to get to Mercury. Oh, yeah. Timing's a different issue. Yeah, because like, from what I can tell, Mercury is so close to the sun that you're going to need at least twice the amount of fuel that is required to take off of Earth to safely land there from Earth to Mercury. So the best possible option is to angle your... Do this big ass long trip around the solar system just to reach around Mercury. Take a comet sort of approach. Slingshot it, just like okay. they did in Star Trek Four. Not slingshot it. Angle it so far out that you don't have to worry about the fuel cost. It's all physics. Physics, bitch. Something like that. Yeah, I. I don't know. I'm so lost right now. <laughs> I never even took physics, so you're already talking beyond me. I'm with you, man. Uh, the, oh, 3D printing. The details for yeah. physics don't matter in this case. I mean, it, I there's the idea. I, I guess you could sort of consider something like a von Neumann probe a 3D printer in a sense, because it goes out and replicates itself. I think maybe this is just me being the, the cranky old man, but I don't think it's fair to call self-replicating 3D printing, because that, to me, is a very specific type of, well... We have our nozzle that's injecting it, and it's sort of going around and doing it out. How We don't know how they're 3D replicating, so I don't think it's... Well, how they are replicating. So I don't think it's fair to say they're 3D printing specifically, right? Because that's a specific technology. Yeah. But that's just me being like, yeah, words wrong. I don't like it. Does that mean that, uh, like, 
again, just to dip back into Star Trek, so does that mean that the Borg nanoprobes, which are self-replicating, they're not 3D printing, they're just... Replicating? I don't know how they're somehow replicating, right? Maybe they, maybe they are miniature 3D printers. No, that would be terrifying. Could you imagine? Yeah, that's... Millions of miniature 3D printers that can create them, they recreate themselves while also adapting themselves. Ooh. There's an issue with that, but... Um... The main issue I see is you can't create matter without having intake of matter. You can't spontaneously duplicate matter without having matter to create it from. Yeah, unless we're going into the weird tech quantum stuff, which that's a... Mm-mm, not going in there. Not now. No, oh, I, God, please. I'm so <laughs> lost as it is. I'm, I am not smart enough and nor sober enough to get into anything that involves the word quantum. <laughs> if anyone who says, yeah, I understand quantum, they are a liar. I understand a small portion because I've taken a class on it. I don't know if that's... Aren't you lucky? <laughs> I sort of understand what's going on here. So, what? We're going to talk about this particle as if it was a wave. Why? Oh, no. (laughs) Mr. J, just a small question because we haven't tangented enough. (laughs) Okay. So, since you took a class that involves the word, involves quantum, Mm -hmm. tachyons, as we know it, they are theoretical particles, correct? I don't really super know about it, but... Okay. My understanding of tachyons is these are particles that are theoretical, but can travel both forward and backwards in time. Um, tachyon. Don't want to even think about tachyon. So, okay. I'm just looking at the Wikipedia page. The relativistic mass we're looking at, it is technically real, so that is good. It sounds, from what I'm very casually and quickly looking, Tachyons themselves, it's basically a, you know what would be funny? If we just take all of the math, the mass equations, just make a negative mass thing. Is it real? No. But, like, could it be? Sure, the math says it could be. I hate math. Yeah, if you say something has a negative mass, that tech off, there are no formulas that break. But that Physics is bullshit, I'm just gonna say. But it doesn't make it real. So that's what I'm casually checking for this, is that tachyons, there's no proof that they exist, but it's a, wouldn't it be fun if? Well, I know there's a hell of a lot of Star Trek that is based on the whole existence of tachyons, so we better better hope that they do. If you just replace tachyons with neutrons, neutrinos, that might work. It's all just molecules and atoms and shit, I don't know. Ugh, atoms, so big. Fucking mag. I know we're getting into it's the hour is getting late, <laughs> but again, since I so know so little about 3D printing, and Mr. J, you have very much made the case that we cannot 3D print circuits. Yeah, how the ever you can do wires in the first season of what I feel is a underrated television show, Star Trek Prodigy, the prototype starship NX Protostar. It has a what I would consider to be a 3D printing technology that allows it to create its own vehicles. You can essentially create a submarine, a ground vehicle, a shuttle, or a mini starship. And it shows it essentially just like you would imagine a 3D printer with all these little, I guess you would call them nozzles or endpoints, creating a starship 
out of nothing from the base up. And to me, I thought that, well, so, you know, I believe that. I, I think eventually we could get to that, something where we have the ability to, if we can program it or create it, it could just build it from the ground up automatically. That would be pretty I cool. I don't agree that they could 3D, they could print out like an engine. Those require super science to do, right? I don't think that they could. Yeah, it's Star Trek. <laughs> We've <laughs> already got the super science. Star Trek ain't got to explain shit. Yeah. So my opinion is that you could reasonably. So imagine you're making a wall and you just glue in all of the wires inside of the wall. That you could reasonably do. I don't think you can reasonably create all of the high-end technology. Low-end technology, wires inside of walls, and different types of structural materials. Yeah, you could swap those around pretty easily. But past that, I don't necessarily agree. I don't think that's a reasonable thing. Quite a lot. What you're saying is that we're not going to be able to 3D print our own Gundams anytime soon. God damn it. Yes. But uh, hydraulics, maybe I'd be very scared for them. Honestly, just once we figure out synthetic muscle bun- bundles, then we're good to go. Oh, the myomers. Honest? Yep. I'm going to be honest. Gundams aren't super complicated. You mean Gundam toys or Gundam? The mechs. Mechs aren't super complicated. Yeah, Four-story tall uh, robots. Yeah. Rompy stompy. Yeah, so they're not super complicated. It's just... Why would you give them two legs? Oh, God, they're going to fall over. That's because why it, not? Right. Because, so yeah. hence the day of the quad mech. I've been saying <laughs> this for years. Give me my goddamn Goliath. Oh, my crab God. Crab people. Crab people. Alien. Do you know what this is going to devolve into? Crab evolution. It's the ultimate form of mechs. They turn into crabs. In the end, <laughs> we are all crabs. And the crabs are all a part of us. Yes. <laughs> What a we'll just end the podcast right there. I was gonna say, <laughs> yeah, that, I was gonna say that, that was perfect. Okay. <laughs> that was perfect. That was nice. All right. This has been the auxiliary podcast. Good luck becoming a crab, I think. Crab. <laughs> <laughs>